I was listening to a really interesting episode of This Cultural Life this week with um, Judy Dench. Oh, amazing. Talking to John Wilson, who I've always loved. Uh, well, love them both, really. And one of the very... She talks mainly about Shakespeare, because obviously her career, which is 60 years wow. nearly... Is it just, does he only inter- I don't know this cultural life. Is it is it interviews with people? Or so he it, interviews it, them about the influences on them that have affected their careers, oh, essentially. Okay. And it's brilliant because Lovely. it's just sort of um, creative people talking about creative things. And yeah, it really is. I've, I've always loved it. And he's a good interviewer and um, he gets them talking so well. And um Dent, you, you, Dent talks mainly about Shakespeare because yeah. I think she couldn't cover all of the 60 years. So they focus on that. But one of the things that just emerges is she says that she always loves being in a room as a company. So like, so not being in separate dressing rooms, oh, yeah, yeah. Spare, sharing a big space and that sense of company that arises from it. It's amazing. It, it, we were talking about it yesterday because I'm in tech rehearsal, the technical rehearsal which is the process where all the lighting and the sound and the set and the entrances and exits and music and costume and everything. It's all about that. So acting then just falls to the bottom of the priority <laughs> list, which is good in a way because it means that you then get to sort of find the space. But depending on the theatre that you're at, so if you're at the National, generally you'll be in a room on your own or a room with three or four people. Um, but if you're somewhere like I was at the beginning of the year, uh, with the many a you're in one room separated by a bit of cardboard with everybody <laughs> and uh, and everybody can hear everything every fart and whistle and and opinion which is sort of i i love it i'm i'm sort of on the, in the the dense trench of uh, opinion <laughs> right. really because um that i that's what i love it's the camaraderie and and i think it's really honest because you're you you're in it together, you're creating something together and it's this unified, uniform leap of faith into the complete unknown, right. totally adrenaline fueled. And and then so to sort of come into a room with whatever you have had happen to you that day and then, you know, we all, you all tend to know what's going on in each other's lives during the, you know, the course of that job and you get undress together and put your makeup on together and you get the five minute call together and and it, and so it's there's something um sort of congealing in the most beautiful creative i love organic way yeah, yeah. but then also it's also true that some people really like that time to sort of be on their own and meditate and just get into a really good headspace and not yeah. have the interruptions and noise of everybody else's stuff so it is individual, but I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with her, really. So in this week's episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic, oh, with yes. me, the critic, yes. Sarah Crompton. And with me, the actress, Nancy Carroll. <laughs> we thought we would we, we we go thought, off. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we thought essentially we'd discuss our weeks because um, Nancy has been in tech for rock and roll. Tom Stoppard play, which is being revived at the Hampstead Theatre with its first night on the Wednesday Wednesday gulp yeah. um so that's quite exciting and I've been whizzing around the country seeing different bits of theatre so I thought I would and Europe no, no well Europe yes Europe was last week a bit of dance I, yes I have suddenly become this kind of <laughs> into <laughs> jet setting contrast right up <laughs> yeah so I yeah I'm obsessed with a particular choreographer called Trajel Harrell and I did nip over to Paris in a rather glamorous manner yeah ruined only by the fact that I had no money and so I couldn't actually eat while I was there <laughs> 
one <laughs> barn in the whole time I was there. It's like 15 again. Yeah. Um, but it was brilliant to see it. And uh, yes, but I've also been to Liverpool to see um, the first <gasps> night of, yes. of a new Macbeth directed by Simon Godwin and starring Ray Fiennes and Indira Varma. And uh, that in a, in a warehouse in Liverpool. That was quite exciting. Yeah, they, they're they doing it in found spaces. They're doing everywhere it in found spaces tour, in warehouses. And the design sort of puts you in a war zone. So there are burning braziers and things. Actually, the stage is quite conventional. Right. But when you go in, you've got braziers and a burnt out car and... Um, noises of aeroplanes overhead yeah and a sort of slightly spooky child's cradle coming in Ooh. Ooh. yeah it's all quite good I loved it actually I did really love it and I I loved the fact that it is a Macbeth that is quite cerebral it's right. it's both Fines and Indira Varma are very cool really in their performances kind right. of deep and within the language but you can imagine meeting them shopping oh, in wow. waitrose okay it probably would be waitrose not asda they're yeah. quite sort of smart slightly modern people oh, okay and i love the sense that out of their normality in a way yes comes this total evil so that as they they take this step into murder they yeah. become different people. And yeah. I, I found that it, it, it isn't the most bloody. You get some blood seeping through the walls, which is quite exciting. But it isn't the most bloody Macbeth. It isn't the most um, gory or fastest. But I, I thought that concept that, you know, they were people that you would meet in the street and yet they do something terrible that makes them kind of seep away. They lose their personalities. There's a very strange sense that they just kind of fade from view almost. Yeah, yeah. And I find that fascinating. Not everybody has liked it as really? much as I did. That is fascinating because you forget, you, we're so used to the fact that by the end, everybody's dead. Yeah. You, you're sort of waiting for how that will then emerge and, and that, that that's where the play's headed. But if you, if you are investing properly in where they have come from, you know, what that backstory is, how they found each other, what they've been through. What is it about the promise of this power that triggers something? That's brilliant. I mean, I always feel like that about Lear, that we're so used to yeah. the interpretation being about the madness and the fallout and the sisters and the evil and the eyeballs and all that. You, I always wanted to know more about why Kent was so loyal to him. Yes. You know, who was the good king that's fallen off the pedestal? Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. Yeah. So the same with Macbeth. Like, why, what is it that brought them together? And then what's missing and what's happened that this promise of power then takes over everything? Yeah. You know, what, it, what is the hole that it suddenly fills that allows them to be consumed by it? Yeah. Yeah, and I thought they did that. I mean, I so I, 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 it's a very rare production of Macbeth that I want to see again. And I thought I would quite like to go back I'd and have, to a, have a look at it. And I also think, you know, it's, um, you know, hats off to them. They're taking it around the country. So yeah. it, it starts in Liverpool, it goes to Edinburgh, it comes to London, then goes, goes to, the to America. And, you know, it's big. Um, the I think it was 900 seats. Wowzers. They're taking the whole theatre? Well, yeah, they, no. so they're building it within the space. So each space they go to, there's sort of a set stage and then they build seating. Wow. So it was 900 seats in Liverpool. I have to say the most uncomfy seats I've ever sat on. Oh, so right, right. it's also, that is also Bring a tribute. A 
Please sit. <laughs> Get pad. Uh, bring short legs, actually. That was when you really need to I am quite short and my, my knees were virtually all around my chin. Oh. But um, I think it is a tribute to this production that I liked it so much, really, because I wasn't comfy. But it was Maybe exciting. that's quite good. And, and, and yeah, you know, real hats off to them. So that's, that was a very good start to my week. You, meanwhile, have been locked in tech, which I'm always yeah. quite intrigued by because... I, as a writer, I tend to get thrown out of tech. Right. I think people think I'll be so bored that it will inevitably colour my, my opinion of what I see. What do you do? I mean, I understand this kind of idea that you, it's where everything else comes in. But I'm always do you amazed. keep running it? Yeah, uh, yeah what well, you're running is cues. Right. Like a sound cue, a music cue, a, a lighting cue, an entrance, an exit, a set change, a costume change. If you've got a very, very quick change from one bit to another... You know, you have to run that cue again and again so you perfect the quick change if you're on, you know... How can it? Does the costume need to change? Do you need to change it from buttons to Velcro because you actually need right. a, an extra two seconds to get back on stage? Whatever is that? It's all. It's literally what it says on the tin, which is it's the technical rehearsal. It's the technical side of theatre. That so all what we've been doing in the room is all the acting and the words and the script and working out our journey, and then towards the end of the rehearsal, however many weeks you have lighting people and sound people and costume people come to see the run and they're making lots of notes and then we hand over to them and for musicals and stuff like I I was talking to an actor whose son is in The Witches and I think he was saying that Witches was like a two-week technical rehearsal but they all felt that wasn't enough gosh and some the big big musicals like Frozen and stuff or it goes on for weeks because there are just so many sound cues or checks or crew that need to know what's going on and that if one set of crew need to be in one place and then some other crew that well they can't be in the same place at the same time so how does that work and it's safety is allowing the crew to take hold of the space and work out their side of it and how much is preset before you go into it so how much like do the sound and lighting people know what they're doing before you start you know, and how much is it them kind of inventing it or quite a lot I mean it's interesting or... that that as actors we were all trying to find light yesterday and they and the lighting people were like do what you do let us find you we don't change we're fiddling about right but do what you do and if you're in the dark we'll put some light on you I mean I love it it was really fun actually I Joe sort of saw me off yesterday morning with my pat lunch and everything else <laughs> There is always that sort of slight green-eyed thing that we have for each other when when the other is going off for tech because we both love a tech. Because it's a process of taking over the space and making that space yours. And while they're still building the seating, which they are in our case, because we're in the traverse, so normally Hampstead is not crossage, but it's front-on. So what they've done is created an oval space in the centre. And so they're building what was, last time I was at Hampstead, what was the sort of right at the back of the theatre is now a fairly steep right. s- auditoria right. seating area okay. space. So they're but they're still putting those banks of seats in. So um and what that does is I mean it's always it always feels a little bit cavernous, but it is even more so. You're you're it's not quite the round, but it's right. almost Interesting. Um, so suddenly for us in terms of voice, you realise that what we were playing with in certain intimate moments, you just can't do vocally. You have to be on voice for the whole thing because 
at some point somebody has your complete back and it's not miked. But while we're sort of figuring it out, we're taking ownership. So I love that because there is so much room for fear yeah. in, in the process of putting on a show. But actually, if you can sort of flip your mindset that actually you're inviting an audience into your space rather than people coming to watch and judge, which they are as well. But ultimately, if you've been given those few days or few weeks to completely piss in the corners and, and make it yours, it's your territory. You've So it becomes a less intimidating experience, but more about sharing something. Yeah. And you get to know each other. You move into your dressing rooms. It's it's that. It's 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 the next step. It's, it's the... It, it, the adrenaline build towards performance. And it is is—it is one of the most... Actually, having said I've never been allowed in tech, I was allowed in Warn, which was when Lucy Carter, who is, I think, a genius lighting designer and does a lot of dance, does all of Wayne McGregor's work and a lot oh, yeah. of other people's. And I did... I was once in a tech with her. And, and what was astonishing to me is... Is kind. I mean, it sounds stupid, really, but it's kind of the knowledge. So you know, she's sitting at that huge console, yeah, and and doing these magic things, yeah, and yeah. and chanting kind of numbers and timings and doing yeah. sort of seventy-seven things at once, yeah. And the result of that is that you get a stage that is lit like solid space somehow I can't quite describe what I mean about uh, Lucy's delighting but she's got this way of creating bands of light yeah. that you then feel it almost viscous that you almost walk through them. and all lighting design is brilliant and I'm always kind of quite moved by how complicated it is and how yeah how the, you know the tech everybody's technical expertise yeah goes to make the show that I just kind of sit there and go, yeah. oh, that was nice lighting or whatever. Yeah, no, it's magic. And there's always a space um, in the stalls, which then, as you say, have these massive boards of sound cues, lighting cues. Everyone's got their laptop. They're putting in all the cues so that ultimately you're, you're creating a, a, a digital package. Right. that You don't exactly press go, but it's all in there. Um, I remember when we got locked down, we were doing manor and we were in rehearsal and they were desperate to get to a place that they could get it all into the laptop. And we didn't actually make it because the la the lockdown happened a few days before. Right. But that, I think, is always a milestone moment of a production that everything is in in the computer. Yeah. In our mental computers, but also in their technical, physical computers, that it's all laid out. So every single moment, every single cue is there. Yeah. And every single light knows when to swivel or, you know, door needs to be shut or when a prop needs to be set. And I, what I love, as you described, the magic of these massive soundboards, and they sit there, and the, the theatre at the moment is absolutely freezing. So they're all in these <laughs> massive coats with sort of endless packets of crisps and, you know, and big big socks. hats and socks and <laughs> cups of tea, and but sort of fine-tuning things. because it, But it, we all get a bit overexcited because the emphasis isn't on us, yeah. you know, but actually we need to hit every mark so they know the, what they need to do and how to design it. But then what I... I'm always amazed by, which is so silly. But then when we open to the public on the first preview and all that goes. Yeah. And it's suddenly a sort of velveteen stalls again. Yes. And it's just as if they were never there. Yeah. Yeah. And and 
and then suddenly it's it's up and it, and it's and it's it's the curtain, isn't it? You 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 open the curtain to create, and then you draw the curtain, and then it's all there, ready to go for an audience. It's such a simple thing, yeah. but it is it is part of the magic of it. And yeah. and there are some people who, I mean, I always try and introduce myself to people, but it, they sit in the dark and you never see them. Yeah. There's a sort of figure creating the soundscape and they're so brilliant and just getting on with their yeah. job you know we come in and like la 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 look at us <laughs> big show off whatever you know but they're just there doing their brilliant genius thing yeah. and creating quietly and just it is laying that great it all thing out about, i mean that is you know the the thing about the creative industries isn't yeah it? it really is an industry and it's full of all those people who have those totally different skills than acting or writing or directing which are all the front-facing things yeah and and they the the, the amount of knowledge and the, and the richness of their knowledge and their yeah. ability to do things that seem impossible I I often think that you know that directors so I have been thinking about text this week because I went to see I've had a very very good week in the theatre this week so I'd, Monday was Macbeth Tuesday was has Bernardo Alba oh yeah amazing. Um, at the National and the um it, one, it, it, it is amazing directed by Rebecca Frecknell does that thing that she does of setting it both now and then of sort of making a, a, a historic play kind of resonate in a contemporary setting without really specifying either the historic or the contemporary. I can't quite explain it. She, it seems to me it's something that I've noticed in her that she is a director with a, a precise style, you know, and yeah. so whether it's cabaret or Tennessee Williams or Hazard Bernardo Alba, she is she's playing with something quite interesting about where she sets things. How lovely. And particularly, I think, I think she is interested in women's lives and yeah, the plays yeah. that she's looking at and unearthing are plays about women. Yeah. So, um, House of Bernardo Alba obviously is a play entirely about women. Um, and in fact, usually has an all-female cast, though she does introduce the figure of the man who sort of dances through the action. He never speaks, but he's a dancer. Who oh, really? moves. But the most notable thing about it... A bit it, like Oklahoma with that lovely um, dreamscape dancer. Yes, very like that. And he is just, yeah, he's there and he's um, setting off, you know, terrible feelings of passion in all these repressed women who Gosh. are locked in the house by their mother, who's played by Harriet Walter brilliantly. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's a brilliant ensemble cast. It's a brilliant production. But what is most notable about it is that the set by Michael Edwards is... A, a doll's house is a frame. Oh, it's right. three. It's got three stories. It's got rooms in every story. It's got a black outline to each room. It's sort of all coloured in an aqua sort of tint. Ooh. And the effect of it on the production is that you things happen in different rooms of the house and sometimes dialogue kind of falls down the house so somebody will be speaking on the top floor and and on the bottom floor at the same time and then um, is it aqua because they're drowning or something i think it's aqua well we great debate um in the stalls about this i think it's aqua because of frigidity i think it's the idea of sort of virginal and all the rest of it oh right but because when the men up here, Lee Curran's lighting, you get these great washes of sort of red when sort of different scenes appear. So Gosh. I think it's to do with an emotional state. Wow. It means it's not terribly like traditional Lorca, which is usually hot and red and dusty and all those yes, yes. things. Anyway, the man behind me was, <laughs> the man sitting behind me was, I think must have been an actor or something. And he went, 
God, I bet the tech for this went on forever. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, Because yeah. it is absolutely it? true that, yeah. you know, it, 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 it requires not just amazing performances from all this class, yes. but also must have an amazing sort of technical team behind it just to make it work at yeah. all. Because it, it really does use the whole... It is a doll's house. Yeah. And and people are silent as well. So people go upstairs and you see them behaving in a certain way while a different scene's going on downstairs. Yes. But that's more like in a like a dance really, isn't it? To, to yeah. have that and to and they must have that must have been such a brilliantly interesting part of the rehearsal process. Well, I think I'm right to say that Frecknell trained as a dancer, or at least yeah, she starts off as a dancer. Yeah. She does her own choreography. Yeah. So she doesn't work with a movement director. It is hers. So I think you're right that she she has more of a sense than any, um, well, the most directors of that, that sense of movement and what bodies in silence will tell you as well as what yeah. bodies speaking will tell you. That's extraordinary. I, yeah. I think she's a fascinating director. Right? There's one scene that absolutely takes... Well, there's two scenes that take everybody's breath away. There's one scene where Bernardo Alba is being really kind of vicious and every, you've literally got an audience going, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. Um, and Alice Birch has kind of adapted the play, so it's quite... Um, yeah, it's quite visceral. Right. She's done with that scene. But then there's a scene where a mob bursts into the house to, um, in search of a pregnant woman. And in fact, it's happening on the street outside. It's a description. But Fretnell brings the action into the house. And so you suddenly get this great wash of people coming in and they yeah. they form a tableau. And the youngest daughter who is um, having an, a, you know, an illicit affair yeah. is, it suddenly sees what might happen to her, that she might be stoned to death by yeah, this yeah, yeah. mob. And it, it's brilliant stuff. I mean, I, I th- I've i seen loads of productions of it over the years. The last time I saw it, though, was a while ago with the Penelope Wilton production. Also at the National. Also yeah. at the National. And was that Howard Davis? It was Howard Davis yeah. directing and David Hare had done the adaptation. Amazing. and, it, and But it's interesting. It reminds me again of, like, Dancing at Lunasa, you know, these incredibly strong female relationships that are dominated by absent, invisible male spirit. And again, the, the pregnant... Uh, the young sister gets pregnant at the answer. She think you never quite know, but no. you think she might be. She's definitely having an affair with the older sister's she fiance. Preg- she's not pregnant by the end of Dancing Lunasa. Oh, sorry, yes, Dancing Lunasa. Beg your pardon. Yes, yeah. yes. But a similar thing that you know yeah. what you're observing are these incredibly bright, strong, loyal, extraordinary women who think that they are weak. You know, in the face of the man or yeah. a man or just religion or some kind of dominant force but outside of the space they feel oppressed you know they they are pushing against the walls of this oppression but actually the parts the women that we see that we're party to are incredibly strong yeah yeah but they think that they are weakened yeah I mean, and that's or they've a, been damaged in some way by a pa- I mean, I think that's the sense that comes out with Bernard Rabra being damaged in some sense by a patriarch. Yeah, and Alice Birch's writing, I think, particularly emphasizes that. I think Hare did quite a political version of right. Bernard Rabra, which is, you know, obviously one thing it is a metaphor with the for Catholicism and, yeah. and and oppression right. and repression. And but it also Birch introduces this kind of psychological quality that women have a reason. To fear men, there is, there is, you know, they are being um, oppressed and and they are in danger. I mean, genuinely in danger. And I right. think so. It's 
quite an interesting tension. And yeah, it, it, it it's fascinating to see those examinations. The National's got this most extraordinary moment at the moment, which is thrilling, that it's got, um, A, it's got three hits in three auditoria. So it's got Hasbinard Alba. Brilliant. In The Little Town. Yeah. In The Olivia, which I haven't seen, but which I'm going to book for in January, it's got The Witches. Oh, yes. And we're going, I think, on the... December 27th or something. Yeah. yeah. And apparently everybody, I mean, everybody says it's as good as Matilda. It's a Roald Dahl adaptation written by Lucy Kirkwood, who is, brilliant. again, another brilliant female yeah. playwright. Um, and directed by Lindsay Turner, brilliant female director. Yeah. And apparently it's just joyful and powerful and funny and yeah. great songs yeah, and yeah. wise. Um, and then, so you've got two big ensembles of women. And then in the... Dorfman, you've got a new play by Annie Baker called Infinite Life, which I've also seen yeah, this week. Brilliant. And uh, which, I mean, is just a gem. Five women. You're a massive fan of Annie Baker. I Baker's love yeah, Annie yeah. Baker. I think, I, I mean, actually, all those playwrights, so Annie Baker, Lucy Kirkwood, Alice Birch, love them all. Yeah. We'll go quite a long How way brilliant. to see them. It's like some massive stars aligning brilliant hurrah One, moments. Yeah, real hurrah moments. Yeah, yeah. I feel that Annie Baker has got the most distinctive style that having watched all her work now, you sort of begin to see plays emerge, uh, themes emerge. Right. That she is interested in this ideas about religion and about sex and about how people live their lives and yeah. how death affects you. They're always in sort of fixed places. Right. So, you know, whether it's a sort of exercise room at a community centre or a bed and breakfast in John or here, um, it's a... It's a fasting farm where women who are suffering from intense pain, well, people who are suffering from intense pain or cancer or illness are going to cure themselves. Right. And that's sort of the view. And it's just placed before you. She doesn't say anything about whether it's a good idea to only be drinking green juice or anything. Yeah, it's just yeah. there. Yeah. You have five women on sunbeds. Um, next to a bakery where they're all fasting, they, they don't. They don't talk. That's genius. I love <laughs> they that. They don't talk a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but occasionally they talk very, you know, apparently randomly, but gradually the themes come together. Yeah, they're all reading different books. So um, the lead character, um, Sophie, is reading um, Daniel Deronda. Right, uh, George Eliot's Daniel Deronda, which, in my view, becomes really important. Right, as as if you know Daniel Deronda at all, it, it seems to me to be uh, looking at some of the same things about endurance and suffering and yeah. and thwarted sexual desire. And then there's one man, there's one man who walks in, and it's like uh, it is actually like a rooster in a hen house. And really? they all, but they don't say anything <laughs> much. They don't say anything. And the, as he comes in, he's and he's sort of arrogant, and he's got his top off, and he's got silk trousers on, and um, and and their looks on their faces. I mean, the, no dialogue oh. at all, just kind of a look. It is. When's it on until I don't know if I get a chance to see until it until January the thirteenth. Oh, bugger. And maybe I could go to... Yeah, maybe yeah. a matinee. I, yeah. I mean, I would say to... Well, I'd say to everybody, go to them all. I mean, I think it is this kind of remarkable moment of just kind of celebration of yes. women, really. and But also, I mean, I don't want to put men off. I mean, they're just really, really interesting plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and such fun, but they happen to be being produced yeah. and, you know, starring. It's a great moment. I, mean, I, had a, I had a real sort of epiphany moment in the dressing room yesterday with because the boys, I think, you know, just because of the nature of the geography of the dressing rooms at Hampstead, have been split into two lots and, the, um, and then all the girls are together and girls are just, I don't know, not always, obviously you can't generalise, but in my experience, very good at... Um, creating pop-up homely spaces. Yes. You know, there's a sort of pink <laughs> pink sheen that takes over and we've got, like, lovely Phoebe Horn has brought in this, um, like, diffuser thing so it smells glorious <laughs> and there's snacks and it's all, it's all just lovely and the boys would come and sort of sink into the sofa and go, oh. you know, and we all chat. And, and I just, I sort of thought, I had a real moment of thinking what this is, this sort of, the, the fact that we are doing the job that we love, that we've got a couple of mums in the room and and there's, you know, the younger women and, and a real mix of really beautiful, beautiful women, great actors, great humans, they're wonderful, it's a real joy. And But we're sat on layers of, of you know, Years and years of years of women that have fought for the right to do that. Yeah, and I I don't mean to be general or trite or uh, in any way, but I just had that moment of like that we are here because of the work that other people yeah, have done. Yeah, and it was a real like it's everything that's great about being a woman: the homeliness, the taking care of each other, the the truth telling, the sort of camaraderie. But we're also doing a job that we love. Yeah, you know and. And in a play written by, you know, a genius man. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah but, but also directed by a woman. You're also working with a, a, a woman, which is, and, yeah, is Nina. fabulous. And she, Nina's amazing. You know, she's Playwright got a seven-year-old well. and a four-year-old at home. She writes plays. She writes speeches for people. She's directing a play, you know, and she and she's just glorious. Yeah. She's brilliant. She's a brilliant director. And... And again, wearing it lightly, but sitting on layers and layers and layers of of tough work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 that's what the three women in the three auditorium, yes. auditoria, auditoria, auditoria. <laughs> whatever it is, at the national. You know, that's 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 been earned. That's yeah. been hard won, yeah. and that's yeah. and it and it's just wonderful. Yeah, and it is wonderful, and as each individual production is in its different way kind of a joy and the just as a final thought the the other amazing thing about um infinite life yeah is the rate the age range of the women on the stage awesome. so it's got um mary louise burke who is one of my favorite american actors who was actually in annie baker's john as well and who is just an extraordinary actor oh. and actually i don't know how um She's in her 70s, late 70s. Really? Okay. And just utterly, utterly riveting and brilliant. And yeah, Annie Baker, total star. She doesn't do interviews, but might try and persuade her to come on the pod. And, and yeah. Um, Putting it out there. So a rather tiny and exciting thing this week was that we were recommended. Well, it's quite a big, exciting thing. Yeah. Really. In our we were, world. In it's our huge. World, we're recommended in the Radio Times yeah. as a podcast to listen to on the same page as French and Saunders, which did actually feel I know, like a moment. <laughs> really exciting. I know. Hooray. Um, and that made me think that, you know, if you are in listening to this and enjoying it, please subscribe. Please keep listening. Um, and if you've got questions that you'd like us to 
address in a subsequent episode of the podcast, please send them to actressandcritic at gmail.com. I got overexcited when we got in the Radio Times and I actually put the wrong address in one Instagram post. But the correct address is actressandcritic at gmail.com. Brilliant. And we'd love to hear from you. Yes, please. we like doing this yep. on our sofas, but we'd love to hear from you, the listeners. And thank you, Radio Times. Yes. And that's it, really, from yeah, this Yeah, so that's goodbye from me, Nancy Carroll, the actress. And goodbye from me, Sarah Crompton, the critic. <laughs>